0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, the ushers Brother Bill, if I could get you to come up here, Jackson, would' not you help Brother Bill, Mr. Forbes, yeah, a couple, couple of you guys, give one of those to everybody if you will. Romans chapter 10, and this is our theme verse for this year, we'll be coming back to this quite often because I think it's, you know... Uh, each one, reach one is our theme this year, and you know I, I know that a very easy verse to do would be to use one of the great commission verses, Matthew 28:19 and 20, Mark 16:15, some of the other ones that were given, and I think that those are fine, those are good, they're great verses to use, and uh, I think they're they, they're a tremendous help to us, and we'll we'll certainly use those and focus on them as as part of this whole overall goal of reaching one person for Jesus Christ, but but. It has to start with a burden. And if we don't have a burden and a desire to win souls for Jesus Christ, I can drive you all I want to. I can try to make you feel guilty all I want to. Until you have that burden yourself, till you have the burden like the apostle Paul has, you're not going to win souls for Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved." That Israel right there could be filled in the blank, like I said, with anything. My own people. My heart's desire and prayer to God for my own people. My America, my neighborhood, my community. He's begging God for their souls is what he's doing. And you have this little list, and and I'm going to encourage you over the next week to fill this thing out. There are almost 8 billion people on earth. I'm looking at the world population right now. And it is climbing so fast you can't even keep up. 7,755,487,000 and we're in the 300s and climbing very quickly. This year so far, we're at January the 5th, right? The net population growth this year is 1,001,500 and counting so fast you can't even keep up with it. We'll be at 8 billion people before the middle of this year in the world. Choose five. Pray for and reach. And I put a little thing next to it because certainly we want to try to get them to come to church and we want them to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. But those five people are going to be the five people that you pray for. Five people that you work on. Five people that you try to reach this year for Jesus Christ. And what I'm going to ask you to do is between now and next Sunday, fill that out, put your name on the bottom of it, I'm going to collect it from you because I want to make copies of them and I want to pray with you for those people. And I'm going to give you the card back so you can have it. So you can keep it in, in your Bible. You can keep it somewhere where you can see it. You can keep it in a place where you'll remember to pray for those people and where their names will be constantly before you this year. There's 8 billion people in this world, almost. Certainly it's not hard to think of five that you could pray for and try to reach. So. As we go through the message this morning, maybe the Lord will put somebody or some, several somebodies on your heart. Chances are, as soon as you saw this, you already had people in your mind that you knew that needed Jesus Christ, that you knew that you could work on. Those are the people that you need to put on this list. It might be family. It might be a friend. It might be somebody that you work with. It could be anybody. It could be more than five. You might have more than five on a list that you're praying for already. And if that's the case, then add those people to this list. But those five people are the five people that you're going to focus on this year. See, there's, there are three priorities that are essential to, to church growth. They're essential to spiritual growth. Uh, three secret weapons, if you will, for your own personal growth. And just like there are three physical laws. You need to eat, you need to breathe, and you need to exercise in order to thrive physically. And those are the same things that we need to do in order to strive spiritually. Uh, the breathing is prayer. Pray without ceasing right? Most of us uh, breathe without ceasing. That's the way we ought to pray. We need to eat in order to survive physically, right? Most of us do pretty well at that. I do. But that's the word of God. The Bible says that I esteem the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We need to breathe, we need to eat, and then we need to exercise, which is our theme for this year. And that's using and sharing your faith. Now, I want to see our church grow. I want to see it grow spiritually. I want to see it grow in numbers, and that's not, I hope, for our own name. We don't want to just make a name for ourselves or our own success. That's not why we're here. That's not what church is all about. But we've been given some marching orders. Jesus told us to go into the world and preach the gospel. And a natural result of a church that is reaching its community for Jesus Christ is that it's going to grow. If we're winning souls for Jesus Christ, the church will grow. We're to invade enemy territory and expand his kingdom. So I want to give you a challenge that each one of us accept the missionary challenge, and that's exactly what it is, the missionary challenge of reaching at least one person for Jesus Christ this year. I have a goal to see 75 people attending this church regularly by the end of this year. We have about 45 right now. That seems like a pretty lofty goal. But when you look at it, In the light of what is capable through the Holy Spirit's power, I just ask that God would forgive our lack of faith for only asking for 75. There was 3,000 people that got saved in one day and added to the church at Pentecost. 3,000 people in one day, and that was when there was no such thing as Christianity except for the disciples that had gone out and, you know, a handful of them that had had been, you know, witness to the resurrection and everything else. Nothing compared to the known world. Right, I think that's that's an achievable goal. And I'll certainly be doing my part, but I can tell you this. Winning souls for Jesus Christ, seeing people come in and and seeing 75 people attending this church by the end of the year is is not the job of the pastor. I'm certainly going to do my part. I ought to be a witness for Jesus Christ, and I do everything that I can to do that. I'm a chaplain for the police department, and I use every opportunity I get to try to share the gospel with people especially when they're hurting. That's what they need the most. But every single Christian is an evangelist. You have been called and commanded to share the gospel with every creature. That was not written to the pastors. It was written to Jesus' disciples. They were fishermen. They were tent makers. They were they were laymen. And they went out and did that for Jesus Christ. A terrible plague, I think, has spread through Christianity, and it's the idea that we've become so entertainment-oriented. If it, doesn't, if it isn't fun to me, or if I don't get some sort of great enjoyment out of it, I don't want to do it. right? I think that's, you know, that's why we've become so focused in churches today on the music aspect of it, and so wrapped around the idea of making our churches look like a rock concert, because we want church to be fun, or they won't come. And that's what, we, that's what we're training Christians today to do. We're training them to only come if it's fun, We're training them to only be involved in church if they get some enjoyment out of it. And so when you start preaching hard against their sin, well, this ain't fun anymore. I'm going somewhere else where it is fun, where nothing's being preached, where everything's all about entertainment, where everything's all about what's in it for me, right? John F. Kennedy said, what did, what did John F. Kennedy say? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, right? And if we're willing to do that for a country, don't you think we ought to be willing to do that for Jesus Christ? Don't you think we ought to be willing to do that for the church that he gave his life for? Ask not what the church can do for you, but what you can do for the church and for Jesus Christ. That's what our mindset ought to be, and we're moving so far away from that. I mentioned 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and verse 14. If my people, that's why we're missing what we're missing in America today, because we've become so entertainment-oriented, so wrapped around the idea that if it's not something in it for me, I'm not gonna take part in it. And you know what? Winning souls for Jesus Christ is not easy work. It's not always fun work because you're going to get rejected sometimes. You're going to have people tell you no. You're going to have people call you crazy for trying to share the message of the gospel. Well, that's not for me. I'll come to church. I'll sit in the pews and I'll listen to the music and I'll let them entertain me. Don't ask me to get involved for Jesus Christ. That's where we've gotten today in a lot of our churches. That's why so few Christians are willing to take on the task of spreading the message of the gospel. Now, I want you to be honest with me for a second. If you thought that you were going to die next Sunday, if you showed up at church without somebody as your guest, do you think that you could get somebody here? Could you manage to track somebody down Find some guest and convince him to come with you. Let me see a raise of hands if you think that if you knew you were going to die next Sunday, if you didn't bring somebody with you, you could do whatever you had to do to bring somebody with you. A lot of hands up. You know what you just told me? You're not motivated enough. Because if you knew you were going to die in order to have to bring somebody, if you didn't bring somebody you'd be motivated to bring somebody to church. So I'm hoping by the grace of God to motivate you a little bit this morning and to encourage you to get involved in sharing Jesus Christ with others. What I want to share with you this morning is just some thoughts on the idea that each one can reach one. Let's pray. We'll look at these thoughts this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I pray that you'd help us as we go through these things that you'd fill our minds and fill our hearts with the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that would make us want to go win souls for you. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the first thing is this. We have been commanded to share the gospel. That's simple. And what I'm going to tell you this morning is not something that you don't know. But it's something that maybe you've forgotten. Or maybe something that you haven't taken seriously. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, And he said unto me, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's almost 8 billion people in this world. Do you know how many creatures there are that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you know what happens oh well this is a Christian nation think about America we have so many people in this nation that have already heard about Jesus Christ now we're getting less and less and less and less but what's happening is with less Christians in America we're not sending near as many missions missionaries over to these other countries as we used to send and so now there's more and more people groups in the rest of the world that are being unreached because nobody in America and other places of the world are going to those areas Nobody is reaching those people. The Great Commission was not Jesus telling 12 apostles, go into all the world. He was telling the church, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The masses are out there and we're commanded to go and reach them with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We come up with all, excuse, all the excuses why we can't go and do that. You know, well, well, some of you hesitate to share Christ because you think, I don't know enough. If we wait till we know enough, We're never going to share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what happened to you when you got saved? That's all you need to tell somebody else. Oh, sure, there's a lot of doctrinal things that maybe you could study out and should be studying out on your own personal devotional times and things like that, but you don't need to know all the doctrines that there are to know to tell somebody how you came to Jesus Christ, right? You know what salvation is? Salvation is just one beggar telling a beggar where to find bread. Right? That's what it's all about, and that's all we're doing. I, I, I'm just a poor, lost sinner, just like everybody else was, and I found Jesus Christ. And now my job and my responsibility is to tell other people how they can find him too. We don't think we're holy enough. You know? Uh, have you ever felt a sense of inadequacy when it comes to sharing your faith with somebody else, sharing the gospel with somebody else? Absolutely. We make mistakes all the time. If we wait until we are holy enough, we're never going to achieve absolute holiness in this life. We're always going to be imperfect. We're, we're new creatures in Christ. We ought to be doing everything that we can to live for him, but we're never going to be absolutely perfect. We're never going to be absolutely holy until we get to heaven. So if you wait until you're holy enough, you're never going to be holy enough to share the message of the gospel. Some say, well, I don't know my Bible well enough. You're never going to learn the Bible faster than while you're sharing the message of the gospel with somebody else. Right? Well, I taught for 10 years. I taught English, I taught history, I taught biology, I taught a lot of different classes. And I took all of those classes when I was in school. But you know when I really learned that material? When I got up to teach it. Because I had to know it to be able to teach it. Right? And they they say that the best learning is to teach a class. And that's the truth. And the same thing is true. The best way to learn your Bible, the best way to know the Bible is to share the message of the Bible with other people. It'll help you learn it. It'll help you know it. Somebody will ask you a question that you don't know the answer to, and you can say, you know what? Let me go find the answer. You'll get in the Bible. You'll learn the Bible. And then the next time somebody asks you that question, guess what? You'll have an answer for them. You'll be able to share that with them. We're just afraid that, it, that, that we're not going to have an answer, and so you've never given God a chance. The Holy Spirit works in, 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 in wonderful ways. If you go out and do his work, he will equip you to do that works. Some people have this concept that the Holy Spirit's just going to pour out on them someday, and then they'll be able to share the gospel. The the, The way the Lord works is when you pray for strength and you make an effort to share your faith, he gives you the strength and the power and the ability to do what he's called you to do. We've been given commands in the Bible, and I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit, God is never going to give us a command that we are unable to fulfill. He's never going to give us something that we cannot do. And so if he tells us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, then that means he's also given us the power the power and the ability to do that. He's not going to call us to do something that there's no possible way we can do. He's not going to call us to do something and tell us that we're, you know, here's a command, here's something that I want you to do. But yeah, you know what? Unfortunately, with your, the way you are, you don't have the ability to do it, and I'm not going to give it to you. That's foolish thinking. Right? The Holy Spirit, if he calls us to do something and he tells us to do something, then he can give us the power and the ability to do it. But you know where it has to start? You have to do it. you got to get up off the couch and go and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's not just going to say, okay, now you have the power. Go tell somebody. No, you go and do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, and he gives you the power and the ability to do it while you're doing it. We may make mistakes. We may not have it all together, but I'll tell you, There's no reward greater than knowing that God used you to take somebody who was bound for hell and reassign them for heaven because you shared with them the message of the gospel and they accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. There's no greater joy in all the world than leading someone to Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. One of these these tough questions. If you could choose between earning $1,000 a day in the next year, that would be $365,000 by the end of the year. If you could choose between earning $1,000 a day or winning one soul a month to Jesus, where would your priorities be? Or $1,000 a day or one soul this year to Jesus, where would your priorities be? Sadly, I think a lot of people would choose the $365,000. Oh, we would never say it. We'd never say it, but we'd be a whole lot happier with those money in our pocket and having a soul that's laid to our account because we led them to Jesus Christ. And I think that's the problem with so many Christians is that our priorities are so misplaced. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I think that we ought to be experts at soul winning. I think that whatever your occupation it is, it ought to be secondary to pay the bills for soul winning. Right? Isn't that what Paul was? Paul was a tent maker. But he only used that tent making to pay the bills so that he could be a gospel preacher. So that he could share the message of the gospel. Paul was not a pastor. Do you ever see Paul taking a church and, and, you know, running the church and all the? No, he wrote to the elders at. Right? Because Paul was just an evangelist. He was just going around spreading the message of the gospel and everything that happened in those places that enough Christians got together from them accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior, that a church was started there. A pastor took over as the the leader of that church, right? Paul went to another place. He won souls for Jesus Christ. A church was established and he went somewhere else. He was just going around doing the work of an evangelist. He was a tent maker so he could afford to be an evangelist. That's why he did it, and that's what our job ought to be. Your job ought to be a, a secondary for you winning souls. When somebody asks you, what do you do for a living, or what do you do for work, it ought to be, I'm a soul winner, but in order to make that happen, I work at, right? That's the way it ought to be. That's your primary occupation. At least it should be. Why do we go? We go because we are to make disciples. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. Nothing more important than winning souls. William Barclay said this, Christianity is something which is meant to be seen. As someone well said, there can be no such thing as secret discipleship, for either the secrecy destroys the discipleship, or the discipleship will destroy the secrecy. You cannot be a secret Christian. How do we accomplish that? There's a lot of ways, but one of the ways in Paul, and we see this happening over and over in the book of Acts, but Acts chapter 20 and verse number 20, Paul says, "In how I kept nothing back that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul obviously ministered from house to house, but Jesus Christ did the same thing. He met people where they were. If Christ had met in the temple or the synagogue some of these Uh, you know, these these prostitutes or the tax collectors. And Jesus, make no mistake, went to those people. And that's why the Pharisees, how can he talk to that person? How can he go and eat with that person? But you know what? Jesus went and met them where they were. Those people would have been hard up to come into the synagogue or come into the temple. They wouldn't have come there because of who they were. They were sinners and they knew they were sinners and they didn't belong in those places. In fact, a lot of the Christians were too uppity to allow them to come into those places. But Jesus went to them, and he saw them saved. He saw them won for Jesus Christ. Look at the woman at the well. Look at Mary Magdalene. Look at Zacchaeus. There's example after example after example of the people that we would call a dirty, rotten sinner that Jesus Christ went to and reached them where they were. And that's what we have to do as well. I think we can turn the world, not to mention our church, upside down if we get involved in sharing the message of the gospel door to door. I'm becoming just like the people that I'm going to tell you about, so I can only laugh so hard, but I always used to get a kick out of people at the first of the year. Uh, we, Brian and I, I moved out to Powhatan, and so we don't go to the same gym anymore, but we used to work out together, and come first of the year, everything would be full, right? You work out, and you know, December 28th, 29th, the gym is like, a, you know, it's, it's empty. Nobody's in there. January 1st, that place is packed right you're trying to get to the machines that you normally get to and people are on them right and I told Brian this a couple times I said just give it a couple of weeks everything will be back to normal and sure enough second third week of January everything was back to normal and you had all the machines back again why is that because everybody has the resolution at the beginning of the year to do what diet and exercise right i'm not going to ask you to raise your hand how many of you put that down as a new year's resolution this year diet and exercise i'm going to go to the gym it's not easy to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go run on a, on a belt that's moving in circles, right? It's not easy to get up and go work out. And that's why so few people do it for any kind of length of time. Oh, they'll do it for the first two weeks, but then, well, man, that was a late night. I'm not, oh, I can't get up. Next thing you know, they're right back in the same condition that they were in before. Why is that? It's because it's hard. It's not easy, right? It's not easy to exercise. And the same thing is true when it comes to sharing our faith. You've got to make yourself do it because you know it's good for you when it comes to exercise, and it's the same thing with this. It takes a little self-discipline to learn to be a witness for Jesus Christ. It takes a little self-discipline to be a missionary because it's not an easy thing to do. Look, if it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, Christianity would be in every single corner of every single city in this entire country. But it's not easy, and that's why Christians don't do it. Let us take seriously this command to spread the gospel. Now, we'll move quickly, but the second thing is this. We've been commanded to share the gospel, but number two, we've been, the, the world is dying without Christ. Why should we take this seriously to each one of us, reach each one? The world is dying with Jesus Christ. We're running out of time. Turn over to Matthew chapter 9. Jesus is coming, I believe, much sooner than, than many people think, and so many people don't even know it, and they want to, they want to know is, is the problem with growth of the gospel, with the spreading of the message, is the problem that nobody out there is really interested? Is there a, is there a deficit of people who are hungering and for salvation and for purpose? Maybe a little bit. People don't know that they don't know that they need Jesus Christ. But the real problem is that there are very few people who are willing to labor in the field. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. This is what Christ kept hammering all the way throughout his ministry. The crowds are starving. Give them something to eat. Right? You know the the, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples said, send them away. And Jesus said, no, they're starving. They need to eat something. And that's what we do so often. Well, they're not part of this church. Just send them away. We got other things that are more important. We have other priorities. No, they're starving. They're looking for food. Give them something to eat. I'm looking for people not who are hungry. I'm looking for people who are willing to labor in my field to feed the hungry. That's what Jesus Christ is saying here. And certainly the world is getting less and less interested in the things of Jesus Christ. But there's a whole harvest of souls out there waiting to hear the truth. Well, I share the gospel with so many people and nobody ever gets saved. You share the gospel with enough people and somebody will get saved. You're going to come across somebody that's been looking for the answer that you have. And they'll accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Turn over again to Romans chapter 9. Because the world is dying without Jesus Christ, there must be a burden to reach them. And I know we looked at this somewhat, but get this again. Paul says in Romans chapter 9 and verse number 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost were standing right here listening to what I'm saying, he would tell you that from the bottom of my heart I'm telling you the truth. That's a bold statement that Paul makes. He says this, For I could wish that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, from my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. A few pages over. Few, a few verses over in Romans chapter 1, 10 and verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. If we could only sense the urgency. One, because Christ is coming back soon. But two, because people are perishing every day for a lack of Christ. They're, they're, they're dying and they're on their way to hell and they don't even know it because nobody's ever told them. There ought to be a burning urgency, a a love in our heart for lost souls. There are millions and millions and millions of Americans that are just conversions waiting to happen, but they've never been told. They're looking for answers, and if somebody would just tell them how to find it, they would accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. The devil wants us to think that people aren't interested. He He wants us to think that people just want us to mind their own business, and they'll do the same. He makes us feel like, well, I'm just intruding on somebody when I'm trying to share the message of the gospel with them. Honestly, what business is is it of mine what religion they are or whether they believe in Jesus Christ or not? They have their religion. I have mine. I know that it's the truth, but who am I to tell them that they're wrong? That's what the Bible is talking about. That's what the gospel is. We don't have to go and tell them that they're wrong. We just have to go and tell them that this is right. And if we share the message of the gospel with them, they have an opportunity to get saved. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us to go and save them, does it? I can't make somebody get saved. That's what they tried to do with Constantine, and it ended up turning into a, a, a serious problem. They tried to force Christianity on people. You can't force somebody to become a Christian. But our job is to tell them and tell them and tell them. Well, I shared it with him once, and he didn't accept it, so tell him again. Tell them again. Tell them again. We have to have an urgency in helping them realize that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. The devil is going to try to lie to us. He's going to put that false fear in our minds to make us think that people don't want to hear anything about it. I've discovered people in the world are not afraid to talk about almost anything in public. You know, we think that talking about religion is a personal thing, and nobody wants to discuss those kind of things. It's not politically correct to talk about Jesus in public anymore. You notice in that? It's not accepted. I heard a pastor, uh, you know, I've had some pretty interesting experiences with people coming up to me in a store with just random conversation and a random stranger, and then you walk away and you never see him again, and it was just like, well, okay, felt like I'd known that guy my whole life, you know? I heard a pastor tell a story about that. He said he was standing in line at an office supply store, and there was this, this guy in front of him, a couple people in front of him. He was a younger man, but he was completely bald, and uh, you could tell that he shaved his head completely bald, and he was, he was balding. But he, he, just, he just completely shaved his head, and so it was just shiny all over. He had a mustache, and he said there was a lady that was standing right in front of him who was standing right behind this guy who was just completely bald. And, and she leaned up for, to this guy, and she said, how often do you shave your head? And he, this total stranger, he'd look back at her, and he said, well, I shave it every other day. He was happy to tell her about how he shaved his head, you know, and and, uh, he said he just started offering this stuff himself. I found out that if I shave it every day, I get a rash on my head, so I do it every other day, and I found out also that if you use alcohol on it and rub alcohol on your head, it makes the hair stand up, and then I just use a straight razor and shave it off. And he said they were standing there having this conversation about this guy's bald head, and the lady said, do you mind if I touch it? And he leaned his head over there and let the lady touch his bald head. Two complete strangers standing in line at an office supply store. Don't tell me that you can't talk to people in public about anything that you feel like talking to them about. Problem is, we're just afraid that we're going to get rejected. We're just afraid that they're not going to accept what we have to say, and so we don't say anything about it. You know, you wonder what's wrong with us. You can talk about almost anything in public, but don't talk about Christ. We're afraid. It's a fear that the devil's put in our mind. And people get afraid to talk about it because they don't know how to start. They don't know how to approach the subject. Let me tell you, you just jump right in. Are you a Christian? You go to church anywhere? It's easy. It opens up the conversation and they know right off the bat what direction you're going with that conversation. Right? I talk to the police officers all the time and that's what I ask them. You go to church anywhere? You know what that does? It opens up the conversation and it lets us start talking about it. And the many times I will say... You know, I've always wondered, what's the difference between a Baptist and a Catholic, or the Baptist and the Lutherans, or the Baptist and whatever? And it gives you a perfect opportunity to share the gospel. People want to know. They want to talk about it. It's just that you can't do it anymore in America, and so nobody does it. People want to know. Charles Spurgeon said this, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. There must be a sense of urgency to share the gospel with them. And lastly, we've been commanded to share the gospel. The world is dying without Christ. The third thing is this. There's joy in serving Jesus. There is joy in serving Jesus. Sharing the gospel is so good for you. It's good for the person that you're sharing the gospel with, obviously, because they can accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, but it's good for you. You'd be a whole lot happier if you were doing it. Because, you know, as you share Christ with others, you get your priorities straight. When you're talking to somebody about Jesus Christ, you're not thinking about money. You're not thinking about toys. You're not thinking about all these other things. You're thinking... This is a person that might accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is an opportunity that I have to show somebody how they can go from darkness unto light, from the power of Satan unto God. And they can receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said in Acts chapter 26, verse 19. That's what our goal is. That's what our job is. You don't become so distracted because you don't have all the things that are being advertised that everyone else has. You start thinking about eternal values. You start putting more priorities on relationships. You know, one of the things that happens so often when you start thinking about those five people on your list, I need to start a relationship with that person. If I become a friend to that person, then it'll be a whole lot easier to share the gospel with them. And you know what that does? It builds relationships, builds friendships. Now it makes the gospel a whole lot easier to share. If you're praying for them every single day, then guess what's going to be on your mind? I've got to share the gospel with that person. I've got to share the gospel. What if they die tomorrow? What if some accident happens at work and and I don't get the chance to tell them again? What if they get transferred and they move? What if, what if, what if? If you're praying for them, and you're thinking about them, and you have them at the forefront of your mind, then all of these other things that so many Christians and so many people in the world usually put as priorities don't matter anymore. You start thinking about that person and their soul, and it gives you that burden. It gives you that desire. It gives you that, 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 that burden to see them one to Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important that you win souls for him. Everything just sort of shakes into position when you focus on winning souls. And we're missing some wonderful blessings when we don't. You just share the gospel for the sake of your own soul. Turn to one last passage in Psalm 51. If you know anything about the Psalms, you know that Psalm 51 is a record of David's repentant heart. David had been caught in some very grievous sin. Which, by the way, it doesn't mean that your life is over. God still called David a man after his own heart, right? David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. Those are kind of two of the things that we think is probably like the worst sins that you could think of, right? At least in our society, that's the way we describe it. And yet David came back from those things, and God was still able to call him a man after his own heart. You're never too broken that God can't fix. And put you back together and make something useful out of you. But the key here is that David had a repentant heart. And in Psalm 51, verse number 12, you can read the whole passage. It's all about that. It's a great passage to read. But Psalm 51 and verse number 12, David says this. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. What happens next? The joy of his salvation was returned unto him. And what happens next? Verse 13. Verse 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Was David a preacher? No. But David understood the concept that as we repent of our sins and we allow the Lord to come and take over our heart, and we allow the Lord to do that work in our own hearts, then it automatically turns us into an evangelist. It makes us want to share the message of the gospel with other people. Look, he says, when the the joy of my salvation is restored unto me, and I'm being upheld by his spirit. Then I'm going to teach transgressors thy ways. Then sinners will be converted unto thee. When we get things right with God and the joy of our salvation is returned to us, it makes us want to share with others. That's what we're supposed to do, friends. That's what our job is. That's what our responsibility is. And the closer we get to God, the the, the more right with him we get, the, the holier we get, the more it's going to make us want to share the message of the gospel. And it works the other way around, too. The more you share the gospel, the more it's going to make you want to be right with God. Look, if you have somebody on that list and, and God gives you a burden for that person, or those five people, hopefully, but God gives you a burden for that person. God's going to convict your heart when you're praying for that person's salvation, and you know you have sin in your life. Boy God, God can't even hear. Me. God can't even hear me. Here I am praying for this. I've got to get that thing right. What's the point of doing all this praying? What's the point of getting all of these things in order if God can't even hear my prayers for this soul? Going out and winning souls for Jesus Christ gives you that joy because not only are you serving Jesus, but your heart has got to be right. It forces you to get right with God. You might be thinking, you know, Pastor, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. But I promise you that if you're a Christian, And God has given you the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in the moment we get saved. And he's given all of us abilities. He's given all of us gifts. The reason for those gifts, the reason for the Holy Spirit is that you might be his witness. That's why he gives you the Holy Spirit, to be his witness. Do you think God is going to fail you? you think God's not going to do what he said he would do? What does he say in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem was their home. Judea was their region. Samaria was a little farther than the rest of the world, and he promised that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he's going to give us that power. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He's promised to give you the power if you'll be a witness for him. Don't worry about how he's going to do it. If you come to the Lord, he'll give you the ability to win souls. And boy, I'll tell you what, you'll find no greater joy than reaching a person for Jesus Christ. Perhaps the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart this morning. I sure pray that he has. He has. Have you realized that you've been distracted with lesser, lesser issues? Have you been storing your treasures down here instead of in heaven? I've said this many times before, but you don't ever see a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Because you can't take it with you when you go. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can send it on ahead. Souls that we win for Jesus Christ... Those are being sent on ahead. And you win one soul for Jesus Christ, you don't realize how much of an impact that might have. Somebody won D.L. Moody to Jesus Christ. Somebody won Charles Spurgeon to Jesus Christ. Somebody won Billy Graham to Jesus Christ. They were all won as individuals by a person who was sharing the gospel. And look at the impact. I don't have the exact figures, but they say that if each person would win one person a year and then teach that person to go out and win one person a year, that in just a matter of less than 15 years, the entire world would be won to Jesus Christ. Fifteen. If everybody won one person to Jesus Christ. Doesn't sound hard, does it? You might work and work and work and work and work this year to try to win somebody Jesus Christ, and it doesn't happen. But I can tell you this. If you're serious about it, and you're praying about it, and you're working to reach somebody for Jesus Christ, he'll give you that fruit. The Holy Spirit's going to bless your work. If we get to the end of this year and we haven't won a soul for Jesus Christ, it's not going to be because the Holy Spirit failed us. It's going to be because we failed the Holy Spirit. Maybe the Holy Spirit has laid a few people in your heart that you can put on your list of people that you're going to pray for and try to reach. It's not about growing this church. Hey, that's 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 a nice side benefit. The church will grow. Great. It's about winning people for Jesus Christ who are dying and on their way to hell. If Christians don't do it, who's going to? If you don't do it, who's going to? It's going to fall to the next person who's also thinking the same thing. Well, it'll fall to the next person. Christianity disappears. Will you be willing to take the challenge to reach one person for Jesus Christ this year? Let's pray, Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you for the time we can spend together, and I know we're quite a bit longer than we normally are. Uh, I pray that you would use the message in our hearts this morning and that you could be pleased with our decisions. Well, thank you for what you do for us in Jesus name. Amen. If you would stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I know we're a little bit long this morning. I apologize. But will you be willing to write a list? of five names down and pray for those people and invite those people and work on those people until you see at least one and then another and then another and then another. You'd be surprised at how the Holy Spirit will use you to see souls won for Jesus Christ. I don't know how many people we have in here this morning, maybe 45. Could you imagine if every person won one person for Jesus Christ? At the end of this year we'd have 90 people in this auditorium. All knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior and all going out to be a witness for him. What a tremendous thing that would be. Will you be willing to do whatever it takes to reach one person for Jesus Christ? As the piano plays, the invitation is open and you can come. morning. Um, I know that we're a little bit longer than we normally are, quite a bit longer than we normally are, and I apologize for that. It's kind of a different Sunday uh, for us a little bit here, um, but just a couple things to remind you of. We have the tracks in the back. Uh, this is a great tool. The track is not the end-all, be-all, but it's a great tool. It can help you break the ice to give somebody the message of the gospel. I hope you'd be willing to be one that'll take that challenge to give out seven tracks a week. Give them out. Hand them out. Pass them out. Send them in a, in, a, in a letter to somebody. Do whatever you have to do to get them out. You give out 365 of these, somebody will get saved. Somebody will come to church. And then also we have these books, uh, The Soul Winner. It's a great motivational tool by Charles Spurgeon. Those are in the back. Brother Josh will have those uh, in the back there. $5 a book. It's very, very reasonable, and that's exactly what we pay for them. And um, so pick up one of those. And then also be working on who you can write down as your five names that you can pray for, that you can try to reach. And like I mentioned, bring those back, if you will, next Sunday. I want to make copies of them so I can pray with you that that we'll reach those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to be saved. They're dying without Jesus Christ. If they're dying without Jesus Christ, we are their hope. We are their hope. How many people, since you've been in your house, have stopped by and knocked on your door and tried to share the gospel with you. Nobody's been by my house. I've I lived in Chesterfield for 10 years, nobody came by. I've lived up here in Powhatan right, in the, right, right off of 288 for two or three years, nobody's been by. If we don't do it, who's going to? Nobody's just gonna randomly show up at your family's house more than likely and tell them how they can be saved. Nobody's just gonna randomly show up at your coworker's house and tell them how they can be saved. It's our responsibility. It's our job to do it. So I hope you'll take that seriously. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. We've got a lot of things that hopefully will be a help to you in, uh, in helping you to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let's make sure that we're doing it. Okay? Let's get out our bulletins if you have them. I want to close with this chorus. Each one, reach one. We'll have prayer and then we will be dismissed this morning. Let's sing it together. we love you. We thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the time that we've spent together around your word this morning. pray that you'd help us to be a witness for you this week. We thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.